0: Well, hello, everybody. How are you? Whether you're in Argyle or Denton or Lake Cities this weekend, you have picked a great weekend to come and be with us. Uh, As you just saw in the video, last weekend we began a series on family, a three-week little mini-series on family. I spoke on spiritual family, and as we were preparing for this series, one of the things many months ago uh, that without a doubt I knew that I wanted to have uh, Mike Foster here with us this weekend. Uh, Mike is, a, it's interesting. I spoke about spiritual family. Mike is a spiritual brother to me. He is one that I have, he and I have a deep heart connection. I know him, I trust him, I respect him. And I can think of no one better to come and bring sound biblical but practical applicational truth to your life help improve your relationships. He's a part of our family. If you're new, we have two or three folks who live somewhere else in the country, but they're a part of us. They're one of us, and Mike is one of those. So I'm going to ask Mike to come, and I'm going to pray for him, and then I know you're going to help uh, us give a warm Cross Timbers welcome to Mike Foster. So let me pray for him, and then no clapping. We're praying first. Hang on, everybody. <laughs> Let's do this in order. Come here. So Lord, in Jesus' name, I am grateful for spiritual brothers, for what you give us uh, in the gifts of people like Mike in my life. And I thank you, Lord, for the gifts you've given him to take truths from the Bible and make them so practical for our lives. And I know, Father, that uh, what he shares is more than a presentation. It is a heart message for him. And so, Father, I just ask you to bless him, bless his family as he's away, as he's away from San Diego. Bless them as he pours into our church family this weekend. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy. Love you. Thanks. All right.
1: Well, I am Mike, and I just like to refer to myself as a a friend of imperfectionists. And I love helping people with their imperfect stories. And how many of you have an imperfect story, by the way? Yeah, I think all of us do. And, And this idea of how God redeems that, restores that. And today I want to talk about how he does that in our relationships, and how we can get better in our relationships, and how we can fully thrive in our marriages, and whether we're dating, engaged, single, whether we have friends, not any friends, whatever that looks like in terms of the relationship category, I really believe that God has this really beautiful plan for us, and this this sense that he wants to unlock something really deep inside of us that that will bring us such joy and and beauty and, and fun. And so uh, part of my life and part of the, I got to be honest, the best part of my life is uh, these guys here. I want to show you a picture of my family. This is uh, uh, Jennifer, my wife Jennifer right there, the the beautiful blonde. That's my wife. Uh, That's my son Jackson and my daughter Taylor. And my wife and I, we, we have been together for 27 years. We dated for five years. We've been married for 22 years. Uh, by the way, I, don't, I do not recommend dating for five years. That was, that was just way too difficult. Um, but, but we have been together now for 27 total years. And uh, our biggest fight ever as a couple happened at a marriage retreat. No joke. Um, we're going to just get real here tonight today. I, I'm like, I'm a, you're just going to know that I am an imperfect person as I tell you this story. So my wife goes, hey, uh, Mike, I want us to go to this marriage retreat. And they were calling it a romance weekend. And we were about seven years into our marriage. And, and we were struggling and just kind of trying to figure out the whole thing. And And life was busy and full. And she goes, I want to go to this romance weekend up in the mountains. And that was strike one right there. Because to me, a romance weekend doesn't happen at a Christian camp in the mountains. It happens at the Ritz-Carlton by the beach. As far as I'm concerned, sure, right? So, but I like, okay. I, so she, she kept working on me. It's like, I really want to go. I think our marriage could really improve from this and grow from this. And, and so I reluctantly give in. And we head up there. We do like an eight-hour drive up to the, the mountains and this Christian camp for this romance weekend. And we get there. And the very first thing that we do as a couple is they have what they call a romance dinner. And so in my mind, again, I'm thinking, okay, romance dinner. That's going to be candlelight dinner with me and Jennifer looking into each other's eyes. Maybe like some romantic jazz music playing in the background. We didn't have any of that. You know what they made us do? We sat at tables with other couples, like three other couples. And I had to make small talk with complete strangers for an hour and a half. It, and I was irritated because I did not want to listen to Bob and Sandy talk about their Himalayan cats. I just didn't care, all right? You know, some of you, and I'm an introvert. Any introverts here? Yeah, just like, oh my gosh, this is painful. It's so painful. So again, I'm not happy. And then we go to this session, this two-hour session, because church people like things to go long. They just do. Not here at Cross Timbers, but we were a two-hour session where this overly perky idealistic couple talk to us about how sexy prayer was. And I'm like, ah, gag me with a spoon. Like, I I, I can think about a lot of sexy things in the world. Prayer is not one of them, okay? <laughs> but they would say, t- Oh, it's so beautiful and so sexy. And so I, I'm just fuming and Jennifer could tell I was upset and not not digging this at whatsoever. And so we get to our room after the session ends, and I look at her, we're starting to kind of get our things together in this this room. And I said, Jen, I wanna go home. I'm done with this. I'm done with the romance weekend. And she goes, We can't leave you. We got you said you would come, you said you would 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 Try and you said that you would invest in our marriage and, and just give it a shot. I'm like, No, I'm done. I hate this. Prayer is not sexy. I don't want to talk about Himalayan cats anymore. I'm I am just, I want to go home. And she's like, No, you, we can't go home. And, and I'm like, No, I'm going home. And then she starts to cry. And now I know I'm in trouble. And even with the tears, I was still kind of heartless. I'm like, Nope, I don't care. Tears or no tears, I'm going home. And then she started to snot nose tears, okay. And then, then I knew I was in really big trouble. And we started yelling at each other and saying words that you're not supposed to say in church, especially not at a marriage retreat. And it got heated. And she stormed out of the room. I kicked the suitcase. And, and it was a disaster. You know, people, people say uh, marriage is just like a, a walk in the park. They, they say that problem is it's Jurassic Park. Okay. <laughs> 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 That's the problem. And so I want to talk about a like let's just deal with the realities that relationships are hard. They're difficult. We are flawed people. We are emotional people. We we we're complicated people. And so that creates complications in our relationship. And so my wife and I, we, we created this little resource called Five Dates. And we, it's really, we tell couples, like, don't even work on your problems right now. Just work on your togetherness. And so we've got to take people through this process of how to grow closer together and how to be more connected and, and, and to really begin to work on some of that simple stuff. And so today I want to talk about, like, two thoughts from this book called Five Dates. One is just about this idea of being present with each other. And then I want to talk about talk styles, about how we communicate with each other. But here's what I know. You can't have a wholehearted relationship with a half-hearted approach. What do I mean by that is, like so often we approach our relationships and our marriages and, and, and the people that we're doing life with with sort of this lackadaisical uh, approach. We don't, we don't invest in it. And, and the, the laws of the universe and the laws of, of relationships are basically this. If you don't work on it, if you're not intentional about it, then it's gonna, you're, you're just going to drift away. There's going to be problems. And, and things don't end well if we don't have a strategic approach to our, our marriages and to our relationships and, and to the people that we say are the most important people in our lives. And so let's, let's first look at what, what God has to say about it. In, in John 13, 34, he, he says this, let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way I loved you. You love one another. So Jesus is the perfect example of how we're supposed to treat each other, of how we're supposed to do our relationships and our marriages. He says, just follow me and I want you to, to love and loving is really, really hard, especially when that person that you're supposed to love bugs you sometimes and is complicated and messy and makes mistakes. And yet, God asks us, like, will you just love them? Now, a lot of couples make this big mistake. They try to change their partner, right? They try to work on maybe changing that bad habit or changing changing something about them that they don't like. And that's, that's a recipe for disaster as far as I'm concerned. Because really, what we need to do is take ownership of our own lives. You see, it's your job to love the other person. It's God's job to change the other person, okay? It's not your job to change them. You can pray for them, you can love them, you can encourage them, you can cheerlead them, but it is not your job to change them. And so really maybe this first principle that I want you to think about is how, how can I allow God to begin to work in my own heart? Not my spouse's heart or the person I'm dating's heart or, or my friend's heart. Like how God, start to change my heart and make it more loving. Make it more compassionate. Make it more empathetic. Give me a a new picture of how I'm supposed to interact with this person. Because here's the truth. 50% of any relationship is 100% you. Now, for some of you, that may be good news. For some of you, you're like, oh, yeah, that's probably true, Mike. That you are responsible for you. And that's, that, that, to me, is an, a really should be an empowering, motivating thing. Because when we realize that, hey, I may not be able to change my partner. I may not be able to change my spouse. I may not be able to change the person that, that I'm in this relationship with. But I can make choices. I can make decisions. I can work in my heart. I can allow the Holy Spirit and God to, to move mightily in me. Okay, so you take ownership of your 50%, Okay. You do your half of the relationship. Allow God to to change and work on your partner. Okay, the other thing that I want us to remember is that that, uh, relationships is, is multiplication. And it's multiplication math. And what I mean by that is that it takes a whole person and another whole person to have a whole relationship. It's one times one equals one. And the problem is, is we spend so much time trying to work on somebody else and we forget to work on our own heart and allow God to change us from the inside out that, that we're not whole. And so if, if you have a half person times a half person, what do you get? you get? You get less. You get a quarter of a relationship. And so think about maybe your next step or your proactive step in your relationship is saying, okay. What are the areas of my heart maybe where I'm holding unforgiveness? Or maybe I, I'm really frustrated in my relationship right now and, and my, my spouse won't go to counseling, won't go to church, he won't go to therapy, but, but I'm gonna make a decision to do those things because I wanna be a whole person, okay? It's also this, this uh, multiplication math. Think about why rebound relationships usually don't work, right? Because you have... A half a person who's hurt, wounded, coming into a relationship, trying to make a whole relationship, and the math just isn't going to work, right? So wholeness, you as a fully alive, thriving person is your best strategy for having a great relationship, okay? Let's look at, uh, continue to look at God's word on this. It says this um, in uh, Isaiah, it says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history, you know, ruminating on the past. It says, be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? And so this, the first thing that we talk about in five dates is this whole idea of being present. Too many couples get caught in the past. Get caught in in some event that happened many years ago and that just they bring that into the present day instead of saying, God, can you do something new with this this situation? Can can you do birth something new? And for us to be present, to notice it, because man, it's so easy to zoom in on the flaws and the mess ups and the mistakes. Sometimes when we get stuck in our past, is we get stuck in our past of our family of origin. Maybe things that happened in your own family, now you're bringing those, those kind of dysfunctional and toxic things into your new family. But if we trusted God and just said, God, can you do a new thing today? Are you up to something here? I know it may be frustrating. I know it may be complicated. It may not be going the way you thought it would be going. But maybe if we stepped back from the situation and began to be present and say, God, what are you up to? How are you healing? How are you working? How are you teaching in these moments? The other way for us to be present is to be present with each other. So many relationships struggle is because we're, we're moving so fast. And running so hard and taking the kids to soccer practice. And, 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 you know, just life is just complicated and fast-moving. And so we never really sit down and be present with each other. But love, when we talk about love, love is the gift of giving ourselves to somebody else. To hold sacred space with that person. To truly listen with our heart and our ears and our full self. But that's like almost impossible in our, our society. But if you want to have a healthy relationship, you want to have a thriving relationship, you got to be present for your relationship. So I want to teach you a new word today. It, it's, a, it's kind of a fun word. It's a, it's a made-up word. And the word is fubbing. Everybody say the word fubbing. Okay. Now, now, fubbing is a combination of the word phone and snubbing. And some of you are thinking right now, I have been fubbed before, haven't you? Maybe by by your spouse, maybe by a friend. But but it's that moment where you're maybe having a conversation with somebody and you're pouring out your heart and talk about something you really care about and they're kind of checking their Facebook feed, right? Or they're looking down at the text that just came in. And, And that's what we want to fight against. We want to fight against fubbing each other. We want to be fully present in the moment, we want to we do what I, I call relational nowness. Okay, so what is relational nowness? So relational nowness is, number one, I see you. So you want to be communicating to your partner. You want to be communicating to your friend. You want to be communicating in your relationships that I see you. Now, I, I get the opportunity to speak at different places, and, and sometimes they have these green rooms where they have different speakers and authors and, you know, guys like that and gals like that. And, and I'll tell you, so many of my conversations in these rooms are kind of go like this, where I'll be talking to somebody in, in this green room thing, and we'll be having this sort of superficial conversation, and I could just tell the person that I'm talking to is scanning the room for someone more important to talk to, right? You, we probably have all been there, right? It's like, I don't think you really want to talk to me. I think you're looking for something, somebody else to talk to. Now, now this is why it's so important, and this is the first point of relational analysis. We, like, we need to see each other. And seeing each other means that we are not scanning the room. We're not looking down at our phones. We're connecting eye to eye, like, I see you. Okay, the second part of this relational nowness, is i hear you i hear the words that you're telling me i hear what you're saying i am i am thinking about and processing what you're telling me i really hear you because the gosh it's got to be like one of the biggest problems in relationships these days is that people are talking but they're not hearing each other i mean just go on twitter right <laughs> We see this all over our societies, like people are saying things and proclaiming things and, and putting statements out there and telling what they believe and what they think, but nobody's listening to each other so don't let this happen in your relationship. I see you, I hear you in fact, let me tell you this, this really interesting story. There was a guy who had had some vocal spasms okay, and uh, he he uh, wasn't able to talk for almost a year. And so he, he lost his voice. And, and he's talking about how, how lonely it felt to not be able to speak or to be heard. See, loneliness, a lot of times we feel lonely in our relationships. Loneliness isn't just about not being around people. Loneliness is due to not being heard. Okay, so as we be present with each other, Versus, I see you, I hear you, and then here's the third point. What you're telling me is important. Ah. Now, here's the catch. Now, you may not necessarily agree with what they're telling you. You may not necessarily say, yo, you're right. But you have to give them dignity and you have to validate that this is important to them. So I'm going to listen, I'm going to see you, I'm going to think about what you're saying, I'm going to be present in this moment, I'm going to try to have this heart-to-heart connection, this empathy in my relationships. And when we do that, when we start being present, God can really begin to move. Okay, so being present is so key. And then we talk about that in, in the book. Like Just be present, relational nowness. See people, hear people, and give dignity to the words that they're telling you. All right, the second part of having a successful relationship is is we have to um, be aware of our talk styles and how men and women talk differently. And I, I love what the Bible says in Ephesians 4.29. It says this, watch the way you talk. Say only what helps each word a gift. Wouldn't that be nice if we just all followed that verse? Each word a gift, and so I'll, instead of kind of talking about this, I wanna I wanna actually demonstrate the difference between how men and women communicate. So I'm gonna bring up where's our couple, Jake and Brittany, right? Come on up, guys. Why don't you welcome them up? All right. So go ahead, go ahead and have a seat. Welcome, guys. Now, how long have you guys been married? We've been married two and a half years. All right. Good answer, Jake. Good answer. Gotta go. All right. So here here's let me kind of set this up for you. Uh, and they're gonna be our, our amazing guinea pigs as we demonstrate these two different talks out. So for men and women, they talk differently. So men communicate to compete and to win. Right? It's a competition. And men know this. And when men are talking to men, they, it's all about one-upmanship. It's like we're all these peacocks with all our feathers, and it's like we're just trying to win and look good. That's why we communicate. Now, women, on the other hand, they communicate to connect, okay, and to move close. That's why girlfriends love to talk to girlfriends, and they're, like, feeling, like, heart stuff, and it's connected, and it's feeling close. That's the women's talk style. But you ha- if you take a guy's talk style for competing, and you take a lady's talk style for connecting, they're at opposite ends. They they there's friction there. Okay? So what I want to talk kind of call this women's, we're gonna look at women's communication, and we're gonna call this the sofa style. Okay. So let's just assume there's Jake and Brittany on the on the couch, and uh Brittany begins to tell Jake about. A really hard day that she's having, and, and maybe there's, there's a, uh, something that happened at work, or you're really frustrated, and she begins to tell Jake this. A- and Jake, I want you to tell uh, uh, Brittany that, uh, uh, say this for me. Oh, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> okay, so Brittany is going to move away. Now, I want you to move over there, okay? So we're not close anymore, are we? We are now farther away. Okay, women's, like, you, listen, this is what you should have said. I, after she shares her very difficult day, after she's really had a hard time, and she's pouring out her heart, and she's just trying to create this connection with you, you should have said, um, I am so sorry you're having a hard day. Say that. I am so sorry you're having a hard day. Okay, and I want you to just move back close to him, okay? <laughs> See how that works? All right. So here, here's another, another tip I want to tell you guys. And this, I mean, we could talk about communication styles forever. But, but just you guys out there, let me just give you one tip. I've learned this the hard way, Jake. Um, never, like, no matter what your spouse or your girlfriend is telling you, Never, ever say the words, calm down, okay? Don't ever say that, guys, just between you. In fact, I made a slide because I want you to make sure you get this. Right here. never, ever, ever, and I mean never, ever, ever say the words, calm down, okay? Ever, I mean, guys, that alone is worth the admission today, okay? Just don't ever say those words. Okay, so again, women, they're either moving closer or farther away depending on what we're saying, and, and, and the thing that Jake wants to always be thinking about is how can I empathize, how can I feel what she's saying versus trying to fix the problem, okay? Because that's what guys do, because we're about winning and looking good, and so we're always rushing in to fix something versus to feel something, all right? So this is the sofa style this is how women in general like to communicate connection closeness now let's look at jake's style so you guys get up and jake's style is going to be what we call the step stool style so jake because you love to compete and to win i want you to stand on your step stool and and look proud and strong and <laughs> winning you know okay and Brittany, i want to stand up and let's just assume they're on a road trip right now, ha- going on vacation, and, and maybe he's, he's feeling a little frustrated right now. He's kind of looking down at his phone and kind of maybe look, feeling a little confused. And then I want you to say to him, are we lost again? <laughs> go ahead.
0: Are we lost again?
1: And then, yes, there you go. See what happened there? <laughs> yes. Yes. Or how about this? Like, sit back up on your stool. Let's 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 assume he's thirty minutes late for dinner. He's had a long day at work. He's 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 late, and and you had prepared this really nice meal. And, and I want you to say, um, uh, this is the third third day this week that you're late.
0: This is the third day this week you've been late.
1: <laughs> okay, off the stool, off the stool. All right. So how do we get how do we get him going? rising, feeling good, feel like he's winning, let's do this scenario. Let's assume he just spent the whole afternoon working on the yard, mowing the lawn, trimming bushes, and I want you, I want you to come out and, and, and admire his work, and then I want you to say, this yard looks so beautiful, you should, you should start a lawn business. That's what I want you to say. (laughs)
0: This lawn looks so beautiful. You should start a lawn business. And
1: where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? That's right. See how that works? All right. So step stool style, moving up or moving down in your words. Women, think about your words. How am I building him up? helping him stand up on his stepstool, helping him win. Men, we're, we're figuring out, how can I feel what she's saying? How can I move close to, to her in her situation? That's the talk house, and that's how you'll create a, a gift in words to each other. All right, let's give these two a, a round of applause. Thank you, guys. So, all right. So here's the deal. Relationships are complicated. It is Jurassic Park out there. But God has an amazing plan for you. And he really does want you to win. He wants you to grow. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to enjoy each other. He wants you to, to have a sense that, that, that he is making all things new. Maybe there's some things in the past. But God is with you. He's for you. He's, uh, He's just like pro-relationships, okay? Okay. And so just, again, think about how you can take ownership of your part of the relationship. Think about your talk styles. Think about how every word can be a gift. Think about how you can be more present with each other. And whether you're dating, engaged, married, or just, just with friends, like, how can I see you? How can I hear you? How can I give uh, dignity and validation to the words that you're saying? We have to have a, a whole approach, a wholehearted strategy. Be intentional about allowing God to move in your relationships, and that's how we're going to win. That's how we're going to win in our families. That's how we're going to win in our lives. That's we're going to win in our marriages. God wants you to experience this beautiful thing called love and connection and relationship together. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, thank you so much for loving us, for for using imperfect people, God. Thank you that, that yeah, we we are going to blow it. We're going to mess up. God, we're going to say things that hurt each other. God, I know that, that you have a plan and a design for us. And God, I, I do lift up the couples in this room right now who maybe are having a hard time, maybe feeling discouraged. God, I pray that that you just remind them that they are not alone, that they're not the only ones, that we're all just trying to figure this out. God, I thank you for Jesus that, that washes away our sins and, and gives us brand new starts and new beginnings. God, I pray for those who maybe are not in a relationship right now and they're, the desire of their heart is to be with somebody. God, I pray that you just stir hope that you give them a peace. God, I pray for just all of our friendships, that we would honor each other, that our words would be gifts, that we would cheerlead and encourage each other to grow closer and closer to you and to become everything that you want us to be. God, we love you. We love being your kids. We love being a part of your family. And it's in your son's name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.